Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're going to preview the Democratic National Convention. Now, the, the big challenge here for Democrats, can they generate enthusiasm for Joe Biden virtually? There's not going to be a big arena full of people cheering for him. There's no balloon drop. How can they do that? How can they get the grassroots activists fired up for Joe Biden, who already has an enthusiasm problem among his fellow Democrats for Biden and his running mate, Kamala Harris? To break that down today, I'll be joined by my Chronicle colleagues, veteran political scribe, the big man, John Wildermuth, and the Chronicle's Washington correspondent, Tal Copen. Let's talk to them now. Talk open from your home in Washington, D.C., John Wildermuth from your home and lovely uh, San Bruno. You got it. Welcome back to It's All Political. So happy to be here. <laughs> Always a pleasure, John, Joe. <laughs> thank you. I was, you, were a little, you were a little late on that, big man. <laughs> um, okay, we've got, uh, let's talk about the Democratic National Convention. It's coming up this week. Let's, let's first of all, let's go over what the role of a, the, the point of a convention is one, you're, you're introducing the candidate, even though we, we, Joe Biden's been around for 50 years. We, we need to, he needs to introduce himself you, to get those delegates, the grassroots activists of the party pumped to go back into their communities and spread the good word, work super hard and get other people to work hard on behalf of the candidate up and down, candidates up and down a ticket and maybe get a little bounce in the polls afterwards. Uh, big man, you are, are writing about the challenges of, of Joe Biden to, to do all these things this week. Can he do that uh, from his basement? That's hard. I mean, the, the obvious question is, how many balloons can you attach to the ceiling of your basement uh, <laughs> to drop down? And, you know, how do you stand up and, you know, join hands together when you're, you know, perhaps miles apart from your uh, your vice presidential candidate? It's a totally different game here. I mean, uh, the whole idea is to is to pump up the crowds and get everybody excited. Four days of lots of stuff. I think it was uh, one Washington reporter, you'd know better than me, Tal, said, uh, described the convention as all of the speeches and none of the fun. Uh, and <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yes. And that's what's going to be the hard part is, you know, are people going to sit through four nights of speeches without, you know, anything else? One guy I talked to said, you know, there's a reason there's a laugh track in, uh, in uh, comedies and everything else like that. And the crowd noise and the audience, you know, listen to the ball games with the crowd noise. It adds something. And if you're, all you have is somebody making a speech at you, I don't know how much that's going to jazz anybody up. Yeah. And, and Joe Biden has not quite got the rhythm down uh, of, of speaking to an audience where there is no reaction. We saw that the other day. It's, he's, it's still awkward. He's got a few days to master that. It's hard for anyone to do, any speaker, because actors and politicians and speechmakers feed off a crowd. You know, that's how they adjust their adjust their delivery, adjust their speeches and everything else, depending on the reaction they're getting. If there's no feedback, it's a lot tougher. 
Tal, we, uh, we, of course, the uh, the big news for us here in California, in particular in the Bay Area, is that uh, we have a a daughter of California on the ticket, Kamala Harris. What Not are just her... California, a daughter of Oakland. A daughter of Oakland, yes. I, sh- I should uh, double represent it there. Um, what uh, what is what are her goals this week? Uh, we know we know her well, but she, this is an introduction for her too. What is she going to be doing this week? Well, she, you know, unlike Biden. It, She's a little bit better at trying to connect with folks uh, without the in-person interaction. And, you know, obviously she's also a politician. One of the best comparisons I remember from 2016 um, to giving a stump speech was like stand-up comedy, where you have to deliver the same thing over and over and over again. But for every crowd, you need to make it feel like it's just spur of the moment and and land the timing just right to get the laugh. Normally, political campaigning is a lot like that. And, you know, she's no stranger to that. I mean, she she's done the stump. At the same time, uh, even though she's not necessarily, you know, she's not a millennial by any means, she's 55 years old, but she's, she's of a, a slightly younger generation uh, than Joe Biden. And she's been much better at you know, using social media in innovative ways during the pandemic. She's done a lot of Instagram lives. Uh, she's done, you know, some of them somewhat famously uh, surrounding by surrounded by cooking um, because she yes. loves to cook so much. She, you know, coached another one of her colleagues in the Senate on how to make a proper tuna melt after he made a pathetic <laughs> Was tutorial. Warner? Mark Warner? Yes, it was Warner of Virginia. Um <laughs> You know, they they did an Instagram live together where she sort of walked him through and and that type of ability to sort of make an interaction over a screen feel kind of intimate, that is the skill that's going to be needed uh, moving forward in a largely virtual campaign. So this will be her first opportunity to show whether she can make a virtual campaign sing. And a lot of people wanted Biden to pick someone on the ticket who can offer voters a bit of a promise that, you know, even if they believe maybe he's past his prime, if they believe that there's someone coming along with him who is who is absolutely hitting her prime. And so that's sort of going to be her task is to show what she brings to the ticket and how she's going to help Biden along the way. We'll be back with more about the Democratic National Convention after the short break. Let's talk about uh, every every convention has a little backstage drama. Uh, four years ago, as we remember, it was the sort of the uh, the feud between the Bernie Sanders uh, supporters and the Kamala Harris, I'm sorry, Kamala Harris, the Hillary Clinton supporters. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and uh, I remember, I, you know, there's these delegation breakfasts uh, every morning where the, you know, the, the, the California, every state delegation has yeah. its own breakfast. And uh, I remember going to the uh, California breakfast. Uh, John, uh, you, you know, these are typically affairs where it's extremely boring. Everybody gets up and uh, talk about stump speech. They, oh my God, it's, it's horrible. And I was sort of dragging into this one. I was like, oh, this is gonna be so boring. And the Bernie supporters were ripping everybody there. They booed Pelosi. They booed Barbara Lee even. Uh, They were just so hostile. I mean, Barbara Lee is the left of Bernie. Um, So, uh, but so what, is there going to be a similar type of fissure this time between the the Sanders folks, the progressives, and the uh, Biden folks? Tall, we've already seen a hint of that already. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, we've seen the hint. It's going to be really interesting because my understanding is there's still going to be a virtual version of the sort of morning breakfast. I don't know if the press is going to be able to attend those the way they traditionally have uh, during conventions in person in the past. But uh, Barbara Lee has told me that they do plan to have morning and evening Zoom calls among the delegation. But, you know, I mean, I remember one of the biggest ways that they, both at the Republican convention and the Democratic convention in 2016, both of them had delegate uprisings. And the biggest way they showed that was on the convention floor. They were you know, held different signs up than everyone else. They booed at various times during the speeches. They made themselves heard. And I don't know how you do that in a convention that's all online. And so they're going to have to get creative. Now, the biggest way that they're trying to make waves right now is by indicating that they will vote no on the party platform if uh, Medicare for all is not fully embraced in it right now. It's it's still to the left of where Joe Biden ran on health care, but it is not full on supporting Medicare for all. And only I've seen a few hundred delegates, which is far short of this, you know, couple thousand that would be needed to actually block it. But a big name from the Bay Area, Fremont uh, Congressman Ro Khanna said today he would vote against the platform unless it doesn't go there. So they can still find ways to make some noise. We'll just have to see whether it's a it has the impact that it would normally have. I don't know about that, really, because what you're already seeing is a little skim back. I mean, uh, right after uh, Kamala uh, <clears throat> was uh, named the presidential vice presidential candidate, you saw a joint statement from Roots Action and the Progressive Democrats of America talking, calling her a political weather vane and we're going to be hold her to higher standards and everything. And then the next day, Progressive Democrats of America put out a statement saying, of course, we're not ever going to do anything that's going to detract from our candidates trying to take out Donald Trump and everything. And you're going to see that. I mean, I don't think Democrats in general are going to hold still for somebody saying, these guys aren't quite good enough. We may not vote for them or even anything close like that. I mean, I think that you want to see, the Democrats want to see everybody line up and say, hey, all we're concerned about is winning in November. We'll take, you know, any other problems we'll take care of after that. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard from uh, a lot of progressives. They a lot of uh, gritting their teeth and saying, "Okay, Joe Biden is certainly not our choice," and and Kamala Harris is eh, she she's not really one of us either. Uh, but uh, we're, we're gonna we're we we hate Trump so badly, and he is such an existential threat to the country. They say that uh, we are going to just keep our mouths shut for the most part. You know, there'll be some squawking. Uh, but then, uh, you know, if Biden were to win, as, as soon as his hand leaves the Bible, well, we're on his doorstep saying, okay, dude, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, everything else, we're, we're, there, we're not going to give up the fight. Well, and you've already seen that, you know, when, when Democrats retook the House in 2018, there was a lot of, uh, you know, virtual ink spilled on, oh, are the progressives going to be like the Freedom Caucus, the Tea Party that voted no on everything and gave their leadership fits. And and we've really seen the current iteration of progressive leaders. They give 
leadership trouble, they push everything as far to the left as they can. But at the end of the day, they get on board because they know that something is better than nothing. And that is not something uh, we had seen from conservatives. And so you, you've already seen that progressives understand uh, to a certain extent they their job is to make noise along the way. But at a certain point, it's to fall in line and make sure the other guys don't win. And certainly the thing you're going to see right up front is, uh, as you said, once Biden's hand, if Biden's hand gets there, once it leaves the Bible, everybody's uh, first uh, first and number one priority is going to be reversing a lot of the stuff that Trump's done. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's talk about some of the other highlights from the week, uh, per, or perhaps highlights of the week. Um, we have, uh, you know, in every every uh, every convention, there's always one sort of unknown star uh, emerging. Uh, big man, you've covered conventions going back to 1996. Uh, and of course in 2004, Barack Obama was the, uh, kind of stole the show, uh, with his sort of introduction to America. Um, this week we have a Californian, uh, one of the speakers will be, uh, on, on primetime Thursday night, Gavin Newsom. Now is that, uh, he will be speaking uh, right before or shortly before Biden. Um, is he, is that kind of the, okay, if these guys lose, then here's our guy in 2024 spot or what's, what should we make of Newsom being getting the prime time role there? Uh, it's really good news for Gavin. I mean, uh, the alternative, especially after he, uh, was kind of frozen out of the, uh, delegation head is, you know, if he wasn't speaking, he'd be sitting in his living room, watching it on TV and, you know, <laughs> pressing a zoom vote. Yes or no on, you know, this, that, and the other. So yeah, this for whatever else it's worth, it's a visibility he didn't have before. But again, you have to remember that the governor of California and the two senators from California almost always are in the in the discussion when it comes to uh, presidential timber. I mean, this is by far the biggest state in the nation, as, especially for Democrats. It's probably their most important state, uh, state in the nation. So yeah, Gavin's going to be up there, but it would be more of a surprise if he wasn't. Question is, and nobody knows at this point, is how long is he going to speak? I mean, uh, AOC, for example, the word is that she's going to get one minute. And, you know, one minute, one minute, and don't mess up your time. So, you know, what does Gav get? Of course. I mean, they only have two hours for a lot of speakers. So I think everyone's going to be kept short. Yeah, they're going to be cut short, but can, you know, try and cut. A politician short. Just remember, uh, Bill Clinton was the uh, keynote speaker at the 1988 Democratic Convention, and they just about had to give him the hook. I mean, when he said, in conclusion, the crowd roared and started applauding. In closing. I want you and even, uh, even four years ago, you had uh, Cuomo, the governor of uh, New York, speaking and speaking and speaking and pushing Hillary Clinton's uh, acceptance address past prime time, which didn't make them very happy. And I, I mean, Newsom, I don't know what he's going to say in a minute. He can't even say grace in a minute. That That's, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how much time he has. Tall, any other highlights we should look forward to before we wrap up here? I think, you know, you're, to your point that someone's going to emerge, it's going to be interesting to see who it is. I'm not sure it's going to be Newsom. We'll see. I don't know that um, 
he's going to set the internet ablaze with his uh, straight to camera address, but we'll see. Uh, I think AOC might be one of the highlights of the week. And, um, you know, it, it, there's also always someone you don't expect. Remember Kazir Khan at the last convention, right. yes. uh, you know, the the gold star father who lost his son, who really delivered a searing indictment of Trump holding up the Constitution. I don't know if you can recapture that magic uh, virtually, but there is a plan to bring people in from living rooms all over the country. We'll see if there's an average American out there who has a similar viral, compelling moment uh, and uh Maybe, maybe that'll get America tuning in. We'll just have to find out. We will see. It'll be a very weird convention and a very weird election year. Talk open. The big man, John Wildermuth. Thank you guys both for being here. Good times. Thank you. Uh, we, will, we will check in later this week. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that your family is safe and healthy. I'd like to thank the big man, John Wildermuth for joining us here today and the Chronicles Washington correspondent, Tal Copen. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. We've got to give a shout out also to our fabulous theme music, which is Cattle Call, written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. And remember, whether you're in an arena or in your basement, it's all political.